What's up, Spell Singers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flitton. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Untap, Upkeep, Drink. We're talking about Theros Beyond Death, the new set that's coming out. All of the spoilers have come out at this point in time, recording this as soon as they did, so that way we can give our opinions on what's going on. Hopefully, hopefully, give some insight into what is going to happen over your pre-releases, and that way you can at least jump in with a little bit of knowledge if you haven't just memorized everything. Yeah. If you guys follow this podcast at all, you'll know that at least one of the three of us are big fans of enchantments. So I'm going to let Drew lead this one. What's going on? Why are you excited about this set? Uh, I think we should start with Corey, because Corey has no way to interact with enchantments ever. Red player. <laughs> I think before we even dive into the hype, because I know we're all hyped, we should just try and get through some of these beers. Uh, let's start off with mine. The one I've got is from Hopkins Brewing Company. The coffee cream, uh, I believe it's just the milk stout. I haven't actually tried this beer. I was going to say, the can just has coffee and cream, um, and it's one of those, you know, limited run growlers where they just wrote it on there. Yeah, it's so, a crowler. So, so do you just, know for sure if this is a stout or a porter or an ale? Or I believe you know? it is a stout, yes. Stout. Cool. And it smells like cold brew coffee. Oh, oh man. That. <laughs> and it tastes like a cold brew mocha. Oh. Yeah, that is... Okay, I like that one because that one's got the real harsh bitter of a cold brew coffee with like those subtle cream without it being like sweet. You know what I mean? That's not a cloyingly sweetened coffee. That's just kind of like maybe a half and half kind of in there. And then underneath all that is just that ting of malt stout. That one's really, really good. Actually. Yeah. It's yeah. super the, enjoyable. The aroma is really just like a cold brew coffee. Like there's no alcohol presence. And like both of you are saying, it's just, it's really mocha, just those chocolate and coffee notes forward and then you get some of that maltiness it's really dope yeah we're moving on to this one here uh today daddy's got the all-day ipa session ale from founders it's sitting at 4.7 percent abv and 42 ibus so i can only imagine this is going to be a bit bitter hopefully uh the nose is pretty fruity so hopefully it sticks to that theme okay so not nearly as bitter as many of the IPAs we've had. It doesn't linger quite as long. It's not fruity, but it is a little sweet. Like, I could see this being labeled as a juicy IPA, um, but it's definitely pretty hoppy without being crazy, crazy clingy bitter. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of hop aroma, but I think they did really well naming this a session IPA because, yeah. like you're saying, Gary, it's not crazy. There's nothing standing out and... It's, Got a little bit that citrus sort of mellow fruity flavor. If they did call this a hazy IPA, I wouldn't even be surprised. If we ever brew an IPA for the show, we should call it the Citra Tickle IPA. It's <laughs> just that little tickle of citrus. That's what this beer has. Patent that. <laughs> Patent pending. But yeah, this is really good IPA. Yeah, I like it. It's kind of weak. Yeah, it's not crazy yeah, in your it's face. Just, it's mellow. Yeah, it's mellow. Sessionable. Like, and that's what, yeah, I think that's why they nailed the yeah, name. I wouldn't call it hazy because it is really clear, but yeah, it just like it's some ha juicy notes. Spirit. <laughs> yeah, right. Juicy notes, not really like super hoppy, not really super malty. It's just kind of like 
middle of the road, which I I don't know how I feel about, honestly. Yeah, I think usually, especially with the IPAs we get, we try and get powerful ones or yeah. crazy, like well, it's not uh, very like, um, characteristic ones. Yeah. Ones that have a lot of, or a distinct flavor. And this one is just sort of in the middle of the road. Yeah, I think that calling it a, you know, a session ale is accurate. Yeah, we usually don't say this IPA is too chill. <laughs> we usually say they're not chill enough, but yeah. this one is pretty chill. Okay, so I've got the Griswold's Holiday Ale from our little old Red Rock Brewery. It's 8.5%, and I couldn't find IBUs, but it's probably on the lower side. So it's very holiday spicy, like as it. you might expect. It's your pretty standard, almost like a, a red ale with just a lot of that clove, cinnamon, allspice that you think of with that holiday spice stuff. And I think this, it's almost like a cider in that regard, but it's a lot heavier just because it's an ale, I don't know. Maybe it's because we're past the holidays. I'm not the <laughs> not biggest the novelty fan is right worn now. Off. Yeah. Honestly, like when I was smelling it, it reminded me of that like uh, applesauce beer. Like on the nose, yeah. it has like all of those like flavors. It's Sorry, a little on the like nose, that. it has all of those aromas. <laughs> uh, yes, I taste through my nose. It's crazy. Freak. Yeah. Uh, but then as soon as you said red ale while I was smelling it, it was like immediately just like, yeah, this is like a spiced red ale. Yeah. Which I, I think it's really good, but I don't know. Ooh, it's really smooth too. Yeah, like this is what kind of is this a cream ale? Like what is this? It just says ale. Weird. Ale brewed with spices. Yeah, it's it's an ale brewed with cinnamon, coriander, ginger, orange peel, and clove. It is holiday-ish and celebratastic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Like it kind of reminds me of all of the spices that you get for a pumpkin pie, and then you're just like, oh, you know what? Let's just throw that into a cream ale and then just call it good. I'm a I'm a basic white bitch when it comes to this kind of beer. I thoroughly enjoy it. That that whole, you know, top five spices kind of thing that just all mixed together. Yeah. I mean, it is past the holidays, so we're not really feeling that emotionally, but it's still just one of those. I can't not like those. Oh, flavors, yeah. This you know? is, it's not harsh or yeah. disagreeable in any way. Extremely smooth. Yeah. That's a good beer. All right. So let's just. Uh, give the major ideas what we're talking about here today. Obviously, we're talking about Theros, um, the new Theros. And so there's a lot that is going on with this set. Um, but for us, what we usually do, we like to talk about how we're going to evaluate them in like non-EDH environments as well as EDH environments. Um, so we're just going to kind of go through all of that quickly, kind of give our uh, top cards that we like out of the set for each of those categories and just kind of move on from there. Um, as we're getting into it, what do you guys think about the the set itself? Like, what is the the hype level? Flavor? No, eight and a half out of ten. Okay. Uh, power level? I think we're back down towards the you know M twenty kind of feel. I, I mean, there's some this is not real powerhouses, but I think this is a much more balanced set, which right. we were talking about before the show. I like because we're not looking at some crazy cars that have just entered the format. They're like, how is this even possible? I think this is a really draftable set. I think it's uh, going to be a really cool standard edition. I think it's, I think it's going to fit into Pioneer. I think a lot of these cards will find homes. Yeah, I think that Pioneer is like this, the format that this set is like best for right now because like a lot of the Devotion decks were built from be wild. The, the bones of Theros, right? Yeah. And somehow it's like, hey, we're getting these new we goodies in new here toys. that yeah. also care about Devotion and like all that stuff. Um, what about you, Corey? Yeah, I think... 
Melissa and her team over there just working on the set, I think just like Gary was saying, it's a lot more balanced set. Mm -hmm. And I think drafting this set will be especially fun. Oh, I'm so pumped on draft on this one. There's so many things to do. Yeah. And I think this year for the sets, instead of having just giant blocks like we usually do, just having one-off sets, I think uh, points them to make these more balanced sort of self-contained sets with pieces that you can pick out and do with all the other formats that we have. And I think this is a really good one, both flavor-wise, because ancient Greek mythology and stuff has always been super dope. And I think just the power level is a lot more balanced, especially after Let's coming off to the of last, Oka. Yeah, I was going to say, what is, look in the last like year. Let's look at, uh, we've got Eldraine, we've got Corset, and we've got Ravnica, a couple, couple sets of Ravnica. Yeah, obviously it's higher than the Corset, and then the... Um, the Ravnica block was weird because the, the Planeswalkers were on such a crazy spectrum. Yeah, for more of the spectrum. There were some that were like broken as hell and some yeah. that like didn't really yeah, fly anyone's just, radar. Planeswalkers just in standard and I guess in most formats are just a different type of beast. But I think it uh, the just that Ravnica block was pretty powerful. And I think Throne of Eldraine was too powerful in some ways and it sort of broke. Yeah, there was some just like some standout cards insanely broke cards. a lot of formats. For Talking sure. about you, Oko. <laughs> yeah, if a card gets banned in three formats like that. <laughs> yeah, that's something. a red flag. Yeah. So um, I, I think it's I think it's a good middle point. I think well, yeah. obviously we have yet to see how people are gonna break it because it's gonna get broken, but yeah. I think there's a lot of good, good cards. Yeah. I think looking at this and comparing it to, to recent years, or sorry, just even the past year. Like the Ravnica sets, uh, the first two guilds and Ravnica legions, both of them only had five uh, color pairings that yeah. they were focusing on, and so that was way more detailed in that those sets. Yeah, they could focus on yeah those a exactly, lot more. and so they had those specific synergies between like the the color pairings that overlapped. So, for example, we had like Surveil and Jumpstart, which was great because Surveil okay. lets you put cards into your bin, and then you needed those cards in your bin for your Jumpstart, and so like you could get you know really cool uh, mechanics flowing back and forth. Whereas now, especially you look at Eldraine, and there's definitely some color pairings that were significantly stronger than others because of the mechanics they had. Yeah. Um, so just trying to segue here into uh, the actual archetypes in this set. Um, but before we do that, Corey, can talk about the major mechanics that we're seeing here. So the major mechanics, there's one new one, but the rest of them are either previous mechanics or mechanics we haven't seen for a while. And so one of the previous mechanics is Sagas. And those were Dominaria the first time? Yeah. They're, then, have we seen them since? No, I think Dominaria was the first one. So they're just enchantments and they're they're weirdly structured enchantments because they have multiple effects instead yeah, of just being like a constant thing. It's basically you just so after your draw step you put a counter on it and then it does something and then once it has the last counter on it, it's sacrificed. Yeah, they're very I think for this set especially, they're very flavorful. Yeah. I don't know if they're the strongest thing that we can put in there. There are very good ones, but they're definitely ten out of ten flavor for this. Oh, yeah, yeah set. absolutely. I think the the same I think that the stalkers are just insanely good for storytelling. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. the I think they're about as flavorful as uh, yeah. Get. Like they not just the art, but like even each individual yeah. uh, part so of the saga modes. that tells what the story is, you know? Uh, yeah, I think these Theros so uh, sagas are, they suffer from the same problems as the Dominaria ones in that they can be really powerful, but they're just kind of slow and unwieldy. Yep. And obvious. Yeah, yeah they, there's no hidden information. Yeah, there. but the fact that they're enchantments in an enchantment-based set obviously make them a ton better. So, which 
ties us into our next mechanic, which is Constellation, which Ooh. basically, yeah, Constellation's back. Here yeah, we go. the fact that sagas and constellations are in the same set makes me super excited. Yeah, because sagas are enchantments, and Constellation cares about enchantments. Yeah, so, so this is an old mechanic from the the old Theros block hype, and it just basically says when an enchantment enters the battlefield, do blank or blank happens. Yeah, stuff like that. And so the constellations on this set for the most part, are a little bit different from the original because the original constellations triggered when that card entered the battlefield or uh, a different enchantment did. Yeah, and they counted themselves. Yeah, exactly. And, and so constellation was strictly on uh, enchantments and enchantment creatures. Yeah. And now we've got legendary creatures, normal creatures that have uh, the constellation text, so we get cards that don't trigger upon their uh, the resolval. And so the next one we have is Devotion which is another mechanic coming back. And this one was tied into the gods. And this mechanic just basically cares about the pips that you have on cards. The actual colored symbols yeah. in their converted mana cards. And so it relies on permanence. And there's just cards that say, if you have devotion to this, then this is a creature. Yeah. Or you lose or you deal damage equal to your devotion. So you just count how many pips you have and then it does that much damage. And while this mechanic, again, can be really strong, it's also... Personally, my favorite as far as lore goes, because it's literally you have to devote yourself yeah, in you game commit. to those colors, which is like devoting yourself to the gods that are in this block and saying, I worship you. Here's my reward, which yeah. is just so tight. That's awesome. Yeah, there's one uh, creature. It's like, uh, I think it's one of the legendary creatures, and she's twice blessed, um, and both by like Nylia and Thassa. And like you see that in the flavor text, they, they say that. But like the what she does and the, the mechanics there kind of reflect that she's green and blue and that's yeah. something that's really cool as well like it's just insane on the flavor level yeah and i think just having the devotion mechanic back in this set sort of like how drew was uh alluding to earlier with the ravnica block the color pairings it limits you a, a lot more than in throne of eldraine where you can go three colors and more but in this set you're going to be looking for either two colors or less to yeah just you try really want to get focus with that devotion yeah. I think Melissa and her team have to have been so stoked to formulate this set for yeah. so long because it's just our last mechanic is even deeper into the Vorthos of the story of this block. Yes. Yeah. So this last mechanic is Escape. And so this is a brand new one. And it's it's weird. We have feelings about it. There are some feelings. <laughs> and it just it's basically just an ability on a card that says you can pay a mana cost and exile and some amount, some amount of, of cards yeah. from your graveyard and cast this card. You still have to obey timing rules and all that stuff, but you basically just get to cast it again. So this is similar to the Amonkhet cards where you can um, recast those creatures and put them back, but they come as a token. And, and that, bomb. And bomb, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. And or the, like the, the flashback the mechanic yeah. where you could recast it for a different cost. And then I guess it's most similar to Jumpstart where you exile a card or discard a card and then pay the mana cost, and then it gets exiled. Yeah. But, but it's so, repeatable. Yeah, so that that is the big thing, that escape doesn't get rid of the original card. You just exile other cards and pay a, a separate mana cost. Right, so with Embalm, it, the creature just came back as is, and it's more similar to Embalm than it is Eternalize. But again, yeah. The, yeah. the point is, is that we're not making tokens out of these creatures. We're actually taking them and bringing them back yeah. with all of that added benefit. And some of them, as part of their escape, if they've been cast through the escape ability, then they get plus and plus encounters. And so, like, you're bringing them back bigger and better. So I think it's it's some great flavor. Yeah, it goes along with the storyline of Elspeth basically coming back. Yeah, Elspeth and a, a lot of, I mean, they're the demigods of, yeah. of the set. 
Um, so new new creature type, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but cool. they have come from. I mean, if, if you know Greek mythology, you know the your your friends, your family, they don't die in the same way as what we think about normally, right? They go to this place and theoretically can come back from that place. And so that's kind of the idea is that they have escaped from the underworld. Erebos basically is trying to uh, bring them back in. So like Erebos is very, I think, strong in the the story as far as it's concerned here and uh, has like his own devotees that are trying to like help him out there. And so like that's kind of like the, the big thing here is that we've got gods, demigods, and just like regular people who shit's happening and they're trying to yeah. figure it out. And luckily Theros is kind of like Innistrad where on Innistrad when Shadow of Innistrad and all that shit was happening, it was like, hey Ma, get my pitchfork. And then when like, you know, all the Eldrazi shit is like, Ma, get my big pitchfork. You know, it's like the, the change is like, hey, it's werewolves and shit. Now it's like, okay, now the werewolves have tentacles. Like, what cool. Is like, yeah, we still got to get yeah, shit done. Yeah, it's just, you know, and like people on Theros have these beliefs and these gods and it's like, yo, this is crazy, but magic is real, so. Yeah, this is our way of life. So yeah. it's just, that's why I think this says, just like Throne of Eldraine, just 100% flavor. Yeah, like, I was going to say, what I said last so good. last set with Throne of Eldraine was that, oh, this is so cool. It's tied in with flavor. What I'm going to say this set is that, oh, it's very cool and tied in with flavor. And it's also tied in with the previous story that magic has been going on. So I think if you're the type of person who has been considering getting into the actual lore of magic, right now would be an awesome time because you're oh, going to backlog careful, everything. Be careful because there's so I mean, much gonna, that you're going to take gonna a long time. Into a rabbit it, hole it is a slippery and, slope. But it's going to connect with everything you're doing today as you play yeah. or during your pre-release once these cards come out. So I think it's an exciting time for those people who have followed the story. And if you want to get in, I think it's going to be a, a good time to like really see what's going on. Plus the best character in magic is in the set. Ashiok. Elspeth. Oh, damn. <laughs> Chad. Perforos. <laughs> there is like a pseudo Chad card, which is really cool. Yeah. I thought that's, that, that that's one of my favorite cards just because she makes Gideon's. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so good. It's like nostalgia and it's like a little bit of, you know, yeah, like. It's just like, yeah, we get it. He's gone, and he's, like, yeah. but he's, he'll never be forgotten. Yeah. And so we'll, he'll, we'll never stop bringing him back. So speaking of what these cards do, let's run through some of the mechanics we're going to see in sort of the, the color pairings and the, the synergies we can find in this set. So first one we got uh, white-blue. White-blue is uh, just on this one. Basically, it's just control. So the, the white-blue signpost card is Staggering Insight, and it's an aura. Creature gets plus one, plus one, has lifelink, and whenever this creature does combat damage to a player, draw a card. So... It is a kind of like a more aggressive, but the auras, I think, are the emphasis. I think that white, blue, green are kind of the aura heavy. Uh, we're looking- this is the worst uh, curiosity, right? Not curiosity, it's... Um, no, yeah. Curious obsession. Yes, That's curious obsession. It's worse because it costs twice as much no, as... Curiosity is whenever this creature deals There's damage. Damage. I mean... That, and then Curious Obsession is when this attacks. creature attacks. And so it's like a... It's a combination of things. Yeah. It has to which be combat. I, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, it is... Still very good. Yeah. It's solid. Um, and then they've got the the rare, which is, again, a flying creature. So Blue White Sky is probably going to be a thing. One? Yeah. Sphinx. It was it's like Dream something. Dream Traveler. Trawler. Yeah. 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 I think that card's really good. It, it has potential. But again, it cares about drawing cards and, you know... When you have, uh, yeah. All, both good things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All uh, the good things. But no, it cares about drawing cards and the control strategies, right? It It's six mana to get the the rare yeah. out. So like, and you have to invest a lot into it if you're trying to protect it. So kind of tells you what's going on there. Uh, white black is a little bit graveyard theme, a little bit life gain theme, 
And I don't think black white quite has been fleshed out as well as some of the other colors. It's it feels very Orzov, but in the completely non-aristocratic way. Like there's not a lot of sacrifice stuff going on, but the, I mean, there's typical kind of life gain. Yeah, the death. uncommon signpost card: uh, return target creature card from graveyard to the battlefield, or target uh, aura, or both. So like again, white has the auras, um, the kind of the rebirth theme again with that Orzov. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of of life gain shit going on there. So. I don't know, like, Orzov is Orzov. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the the problem with Orzov is that it's always, like, graveyard-centric and, and stuff like that. And in this set, every color has True. graveyard mechanics. Yeah, graveyard. So and, it kind of takes away from that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so white-red, uh, we've got tokens, go wide, aggro. It's kind of par for the course yeah, um, these pretty days. standard stuff. So, team heroic, I like that. Yeah, team heroic is super cool. Uh, so the old heroic mechanic from Theros was that if you targeted uh, the creature, they'd get a plus one, plus one counter and some other effect or just more counters or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah so, so this one, now, uh, I'm calling it Team Heroic because it's like that, but a little different. So I think it's interesting that they, instead of bringing back the Heroic mechanic, they just didn't bring it back at all and just had that on certain cards. Just as abilities. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I think it's less confusing, but I think it, it kind of takes away what made these cards special. Yeah, and so instead of giving them actual plus one, plus one counters, uh, they get plus one, plus oh, or plus oh, plus one. So they just like that team, but, but it's all of your creatures if you target that creature. So it's really cool in that sense. Um, this next one is my favorite thing that Drew has ever typed on an outline. Just the punniest of puns. Green, white, enchantress-esque. Enchantress, yeah. So, Almost enchantress, but... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> trying. There's, there's one enchantress. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and, and I'm really super, good. super pumped super on it. It's good. not just an enchantress. All scared about plus one, plus one counters. I will get to that one. Um, so we got Siona, Captain of Pileus, and so she cares about auras, and like specifically, uh, whenever you attach an aura you control to a creature you control, you make a token, which is cool because Enchantress and aura strategies generally have like a super Superman, right? Like you're trying to build that up and just like one punch your opponent or like hit them as fast as possible. You don't really go wide, which means that your defense is really, really lacking and you're susceptible just to, you know, pull the pin out and everything falls apart. Yeah, so... Uh Quick highlight about that card is that it goes infinite with gift or immortality, so people are already oh, busting yeah. it. It's fucking dumb. Uh, but then she also helps you just find an orb. Yeah, she's just a really good like, three drop. Yeah. yeah. I think if you had to guess what uh, Demir would do, black blue. Uh, they've got mill. They've got self mill. Um, and there's a lot of really cool interactions with the self mill side. And all three of us would have put it on our top five had I not put my top five after these guys did. So we'll get into that card specifically. Uh, yeah, I think self-mill is really good just because every color has the escape mechanic. So every yeah, color wants you to cards in their graveyards. Yeah. Which um, is different. Black Green also has some self-mill going on there. The Golgari Graveyard Matters. Uh, they've got like the regrowth, self-mill, there's some escape. Uh, it's just your graveyard matters. And that's kind of the, the idea there. Um, the Black Red is heavier on the escape than most of the other colors. Yeah. Uh, I think that's like the core mechanic there. Um, there's also some really nice sacrifice and kind of aristocrats uh, strategies going on there, which is a lot of fun, including a couple theft cards, which generally when I see those cards, I think that there's probably going to be uh, an aristocrats or sacrifice theme uh, because that's the way that those decks uh, utilize removal. Yeah. Um, Blue-green, we've got plus and plus encounters, devotion, that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, blue-green, you're probably going to have a little bit of ramp and you're going to have some big fatties. Yeah, blue-green doesn't need any help. Yeah. They can yeah. stick with the standard stuff. Yeah, it's still be good. Uh, Blue-red, uh, this is probably my favorite blue-red set for a while because it's so 
different from what you normally expect, yeah. right? It is a spells matter pairing, which is exactly what you'd expect. You're like, why is that different? Because most of the cards that care about you casting spells care about you doing it on your opponent's turn. And it's like the first spell you cast, da 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 something happens, right? Yeah. Whether it's draw a card, which is, I think, the most powerful one there, or like you get to pay an extra mana and like deal one damage or just the creature gets buffed or whatever it happens to be. There's just a lot of really cool uh, workaround with casting a spell on your opponent's turn. And that's going to be very, very hard in most formats. So like, I don't know, I think that it's like a, a big risk to take, especially in draft. But if you can pull it off, I think that the value that you'll get off of it could just be massive. Yeah, and I think them bringing back the flash mechanic on a lot of these enchantments helps yeah, that for uh, sure. strategy a lot as well. And the last one is red, green, and I've just called it high power matters, um, specifically four or greater. And so a lot of yeah. a lot of the red, green, if you've got a creature with power four or greater, then when it enters the battlefield, such and such happens. When you cast it, such and such happens. Uh, Play big fatties and attack. Yeah, it's just Whoa. combat heavy. <laughs> yep. Sounds very gruel. <laughs> All right, so let's give our top five for non-EDH. So we're talking standard, pioneer, modern. Um, pioneer. Constructed 60-card formats. Yeah, probably not looking at Lexi, Vintage, or Highlander, but I think there's actually some decent Highlander playables in here. Corey, in no particular order. So the first one I put was Kiora Bests the Sea God. So this is one of the new sagas. I think it's got some awesome art, but it's a seven drop, so it's kind of crazy. But I think it's just a really good finisher in blue. And the first thing it does is creates an 8-8 Kraken with Hexproof, which Damn. is really powerful. Second one is it does is tap all non-land permanents target opponent controls. They don't untap during their controller's next untap step. Freeze everything. Yeah, so I think that is just that alone could have been good enough. And then the last one is gain control target permanent and opponent controls untap. So if this if you don't win the game by the time this gets sacrificed then I think you're doing it wrong. So I think this is just a good way to close out longer games, which is probably what you're going for in a blue control strategy. Yeah, if they don't have a board wipe or a non-specific removal, then you just hit them for eight for free, basically. Yeah, like you you got time. This grants you so much time to just get in there and finish them off. All right, second one on your list, next one. for last. Okay. <laughs> Third one on your list, go ahead. So the next one I have is Storm Herald which I think Drew and I will, will talk about later on in the episode. But it's it's basically, when it comes in, you get to take all the auras from your graveyard and put them on all the creatures that you have. So I think this is just a really cool build around. And you can just cheat stuff out, which I think is really powerful, especially in constructed decks, where you can just put stuff in that you will never play and just cheat them out. So the next one I have is Thassa's Oracle, which is just a different kind of lab man, and it just pays attention to devotion. But this one, I think, is a pretty unique effect, even if you don't lab man with it. So it's a blue-blue for a 1-3 merfolk wizard. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. No matter what, this is a 1-3 for 2, and you get to basically scry 2. Yeah. All right, and... And the last one I have... But not number 5. Yeah. The next one I have is Drag to the Underworld, which is an uncommon, but it's 2 black-black, and it costs X less, where X is your devotion to black. So in a black deck, it's almost always just going to cost black-black for an instant that says destroy target creature. Yeah, this one, uh, every single time I see it... I'm just glad that it's an uncommon. Just yeah. for like pre-release and seriously. Sort of yeah. I think, and that it's target creature. 
instead of permanent. Yeah. Or non-land <laughs> permanent or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, again, all flavored. This is literally Erebos dragging people back to the underworld with his whip. Yeah. I think this card is... I think everyone knows how good this card is. And I think this is just really good card building where it's balanced unless you make the right deck for it. And then it's just super bonkers. So the last card I have is Perfos, Bronze-Blooded. And I think we're going to be talking about this card a lot through this episode. <laughs> so this is one of the new gods. It's four and a red for a 7-6 legendary enchantment creature with indestructible. As long as your devotion to red is less than five, Perfos isn't a creature. So that's the, the clause that they're bringing back from the old Theros gods on the monocolored ones. The multicolored ones have seven or less to the, both of their colors. And... It makes for some interesting interactions when they're not a creature versus when they are a creature. So the other abilities are other creatures you control have haste, and then you can pay two and a red. You may put a red creature card or an artifact creature from your hand onto the battlefield. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So sneak attack is a fair and balanced magic card, and you have to spend mana to put creatures onto the battlefield. And they fixed it because maybe people thought it was broken, so now you can only do red and artifact creatures. Yeah, so this is, I think it's just, it's a more balanced sneak attack, but it's still sneak attack. It still only costs <laughs> three, though. It's yeah. still. Yeah, it's. Yeah. And, and and like you were saying with the, the gods, once you start playing with gods for a little while, like we were just talking about your card before, destroy target creature, this isn't a creature until your devotion is high enough. And so a lot of times these gods feel really hard to interact with because it's a legendary enchantment yeah. until it's a creature. Indestructible. Indestructible <laughs> yeah. legendary enchantment. Yeah. So, so it's legendary indestructible sneak attack. Yeah. So Gary, you prefer to interact with your creatures. Uh, your first one there is something that your opponent doesn't even have to. You can just put it in the graveyard for, you know, Dude, you have to pay to put this it in the graveyard. This was just so cool. fucking tight. I'm, I mean, it's a Sultai card, even though it's a Simic card, you know what I mean, in flavor. It's one green blue for Euro Titan of Nature's Wrath. It's a 6-6 six, six legendary creature elder giant. Artwork, 10 out of 10. When Euro enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escapes. So this is one of those ones we talked about that has the escape mechanic, but it basically dies if you don't cast it through escape. Yeah. But because but. of that, it has its own ETB effect. Yeah, and it's super good. Whenever it enters the battlefield or attacks, you gain three life, draw a card, then you put a land card from your hand on the battlefield. So for three mana, you gain three life, draw a card, put a land on the battlefield. Then you can escape it for green, green, blue, blue, and exiling five other cards from your graveyard. So once you escape it, now this is an actual 6-6 six, six that you gain three life, draw a card, and put a land in from your hand onto the battlefield every time it attacks. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, so yeah, I was going to say, for seven mana, right? For seven mana, you get six life, two cards, and you can put a land onto the battlefield. Sorry, two lands onto the battlefield. Would you pay seven mana for that? And it's for six, just six. that, it'd be okay. The fact that I can do that every turn. Yeah. After it's out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Pretty the, damn good. Yeah, the the cost on this one, obviously you're probably not going to get like turn three this, turn four, yeah. you know, that just because of the escape. But if you can... <laughs> I was going to say, that's where these escape cards are really weird for me. Because if it, like you said, if it was seven mana for that once, that's a hard bargain. But knowing that throughout the game, I could potentially dump my mana into this anytime I need to. And you have the resources for, to, for the escape. Yeah, I think that's where this thing starts to become pretty cool because you run into that point where you don't have anything you can play that's going to affect the board. Escaping this card will always affect the board. You're going to gain three life, draw a card, and potentially play a land. That's always going to be at least good 
if not really good. Yeah, so they essentially brought the Titans back. Yeah. And this is just a little baby, harder to get version of primetime while doing different things at the same time, which I think is dope. While having some some resiliency. Yeah. I don't know if I would I would even say it's like a baby version of primetime because primetime is just an elite. I mean, primetime is 10 out of 10. This card's probably like a 2 out of 10 when compared to him. Yeah. But I think it's yeah. it's a similar kind of effect. All right. My next card is Ashiok Nightmare Muse. It's three blue black for a five loyalty legendary planeswalker. Um, I'm going to run through this really quick. You tick up to create a two, three blue and black nightmare creature with whenever this creature attacks or blocks, exile each opponent, exiles the top two cards of the library. You can tick it down three to return target non land permanent to its owner's hand. And then that player exiles a card from their hand. You can take it down seven. And it says you may cast up to three face-up cards your opponents own from exile without paying their mana cost. Don't have to um, be exiled with Ashiok. Yeah, so correct. if they Just escape stuff, exile. you yeah. can still cast them. So I really like this. Ashiok's one of my favorite characters in Magic. The alternate art of this card is incredible probably my favorite artwork of all time yeah there's a lot of cool promos and stuff yeah. in this set. i think this just fits really well with the control strategy i think she's just gonna be she's not broken she's not unbelievably good but she's good you know what i mean i think it's just definitely playable and i really like it then we've got uh thassa's oracle again we won't read that again but uh, crazy quite good and then i have another ashiok card real quick ashiok's erasure Two blue blue for an enchantment with flash. When it, Ashiok's Erasure enters battlefield, exile target spell, which the way that it's worded makes it hard to review this as a counter spell, but a spell is on the stack. You exile a spell from the stack. So you don't just counter it, you exile it. Your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the exiled card. And when it leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to its owner's hand. Um, I think this is just a really good counter spell. I really like it. And it prevents... Spells from ever happening again with the same name. <laughs> yeah, four mana counterspell is kind of high. Yeah, but it's an enchantment that does it. Yep. So I'm on board. Yeah, it sticks around. It's a it's nevermore mixed with an in, or a counterspell bumps your loyalty or yeah. your devotion. Sorry, there's a lot going on. But yep. yeah, I think it's really good. My last one that I really like is Siona, Captain of the Pileus. She's one green white for a 2-2 legendary creature human soldier. It says, when Siona enters the battlefield, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may reveal an aura card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So obviously, this is in an enchantress shell. You're looking to cast enchantments several times throughout the game, and this just helps you dig through your deck in Selesnia. I like it. Okay, Drew, what you got? Uh, First one on the list. You got a banger. (laughs) Number one. So so this card was like... Such a like holy shit, really? Yeah, I this, was I was so excited that like yeah. I only saw the uh, like the borderless one, and I literally sent it to our group chat. And I was like, "Yo, you guys see this? Is this real?" Like I was like, "I needed <laughs> someone happening. else to yeah, I needed someone else to validate." Uh, so first one is Idyllic Tutor. The last time it was printed was in Morning Tide. Um, so it's a expensive card. I don't think they've really reprinted the powerful cards from the Morning Tide Shadowmore uh, sets. So this is like holy shit. This is this is happening. This is real. Um, so. It's sorcery. It's one of our tutors uh, for two and a white. You can search your library for an enchantment card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shelf your library. This is going into standard. This is going into pioneer. This is so playable it's in so everything. <laughs> With ley lines in, like, I mean. Yeah, ley lines and the gods now, and then who knows what other broken things will Yeah, there's a lot of good out. enchantments out there that people are surprising me by running in pioneer, and this helps you find yeah. them if you need. 
Uh, next one we've got is Gravebreaker Lumia, four and a black. Enchantment creature, snake, Lumia, lifelink. And whenever it enters the battlefield, search your library for a card, put it into your graveyard, then shelf your library. So it's Entomb on a creature. If you can flicker it, you can do that multiple times. And then it also has spells you cast from your graveyard cost one less to cast. I love graveyard strategies. I love reanimate and that kind of uh, deck style. This card is entirely up my alley as far as it being an enchantment on top of that. It's also just a 4-4 body with lifelink, which is just going to be good in most formats. Yeah, it's just a really good tutor for helping your deck just run. Yeah. Uh, next one I have here, uh, I'm not entirely sure if this one is actually going to see real play, um, but I'm kind of hoping it does. Enchant creature or enchantment. Enchanted permanent is an enchantment and loses all other card types. So it's really important for uh, like the gods and anything else. It, it can't become a creature, um, but it's called one with stars and it's three and a blue. And I think it's probably going to be more of a commander card, but I think that it has potential in other formats um, just because it is a very difficult to interact with piece and it shuts down like the big creatures that do everything. Yeah, it's a really weird card. <laughs> yeah. Next one I have is Archon of Sun's Grace. Again, this one's probably more of a commander playable than it is through uh, like normal 60 card formats. But I think that if there is like a Bogles deck, that this card could be insane. Um, so it's Flying, Lifelink, Pegasus creatures you control have Lifelink, which is an odd line you'd think normally, yeah. seeing <laughs> so it's an Archon itself. But it also has Constellation. Whenever enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, create a 2-2 white Pegasus creature token with Flying. So that'll have Flying and Lifelink with this thing out there. If you're just like pumping this up, a 3-4 for 4 mana that has Flying and Lifelink is already a pretty good rate. If you're pumping it up with enchantments that also, you know, cause you to shit out other 2-2 two, two flyers with lifelink, you start to win a race very fast. Yeah, you this. can just play garbage and this card will just win you the game. Yeah. Imagine a one-mana aura that... Yeah. And it doesn't have to be auras, right? Like, you don't have to do bubbles. You can just put out things that gain you life or something like that. Literally just garbage. Just <laughs> yeah. trash that says enchantment and <laughs> yeah, you're winning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the last one, I kind of grouped up into two. I probably should have grouped it up with the other one. But we've got Satessin Champion, this card. I, one of my favorite cards from the set. So good. Uh, it's Human Warrior. It's one. It's a one, three, four, two, and a green. And it's got Constellation. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And, and draw, draw a card. A card. So this is the Enchantress <laughs> from this set. It's an Enchantress with a reasonable body. Usually Enchantress are like 0-1s, 1-1s. They're, she's they're got a weak. body. Uh, <laughs> and it also can just get pumped over and over again. So, yeah. like, Bogles, here is your target. Uh, also, just, you know, every enchantment is a is a cantrip. And to protect that, I've got Destiny Spinner, one in green, enchantment creature, human, creature, and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. Very powerful. Like, there's literally nothing more than I want to read on a card than that. But it's a two-mana, two-three, which is fine. I mean, better than fine, let's be real. And it also has an activated ability, Three and a green, target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn where X is the number of enchantments you control. It's still a land. So I think this goes in any format that cares about enchantress, cares about heavy enchantment decks, whether it's Pillow Fort or otherwise. The biggest problem with those decks often is closing the game. One of the biggest ones is just to turn your creatures or turn your enchantments into creatures and then attack with them and just like win an all-out swing. This one lets you say, okay, I've got 12 enchantments and I've got a 12-12. I'm hitting you because it's got trample. Trample's the huge one. Yeah, and I think just the fact that it's a two-drop means it'll always come down before you start building your board up. So and before you need to protect your your spells from counter spells. Yeah, I was so going to say, hopefully before the counters, yeah. Yeah, so it's I think it's a really, really solid. I don't know card. if you guys know this, anybody that's playing Pioneer lately, there was a Bogles deck at the last little event I went to, and it was already strong. I think the guy went three and one. Uh, these are going to be good tools. I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah. Uh, next one I want to talk about is... The unloved, <laughs> unloved, unplayed, and underrated. 
Um, so specifically, I want to look at, uh, see if there's like top commons, because we always talk about the rares and the mythics and shit like that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the that there's ghosts. not like the backbone cards of the format, which are the commons. Um, talk about the uncommons as well. And maybe what we think is a card that might not be getting the recognition it deserves. Corey, why don't you start us off? So one that I put is just Thrill of Possibility. So it's one in red for an instant. As additional cost to cast a spell, discard a card, draw two cards. So Red card draw. It's red card draw. Obviously, card it's draw. conditional because you have to it discard. But I think the fact that this set cares so much about things being in your graveyard, yeah. I think this is just a really powerful card. And it's just common. Two drop. So I think Common to draw two. Uh, throw the possibilities in my Storm deck. It's one of the cards yeah. that like discarding, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm fine with. Like, I, deal. Exactly. It's another way to bin an Arclight Phoenix. Usually when you see discard a card, it's a super downside. But I think this set, it's, yeah. it's an upside in most cases. And then I put on here for our top commons, Stern Dismissal. Um, so Stern Dismissal, just for one blue, one blue pip. That's all you need. You can return target creature or enchantment to its own hand. So this one, I mean, at unsummon, instant speed. Right, at instant speed. So unsummon was a card that we've had for a long time. You know, just creature Super to your hand, go away. Good. Uh, this is great for protecting your enchantments, protecting your creatures, whatever. But it's also just, hey, nice god. You paid yep. four mana for that. It's not a creature yet. I don't care. Go away. Yeah, I, I think that's another reason why this set is so well balanced because they printed all these crazy banger cards, but they also have these and answers tools, that yeah. are at common and uncommon level people can actually get. Yeah. So it's not like you have one copy that's going to win you the game and I also have one copy that's going to help me not lose the game, but yeah. I can never get to it. Yeah, I think now I'm getting I a couple answers. Tempo, this is exactly it, right? Yeah. Like you think of, you know, three, four, five plus drop CMC card that they're, you know, building their deck around essentially. And you just, whoop, for one mana. Great. Just help right. get back. What about uncommons? Hydra's Growth we've got on the list. It's two and a green for an enchantment aura. It says enchant creature when Hydra's Growth enters the battlefield, put plus one, plus one counter on enchanted creature. At the beginning of your upkeep, double the number of plus one, plus one counters on enchanted creature. So I was watching the loading ready run pre-release. Last week, Shouts and out. a lot of people were using this, and it got out of control. <laughs> like, there were people with, like, 200-plus creatures just running around. Like, the fact that anything that says double something on a card is obviously powerful. Yep. So I think this is just one that people need to pay attention to. So you said double, and the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, doubling season. Can you imagine this, the doubling season? God. First time, for when it enters the battlefield, right? That's two. Then you put another two, which is actually four. So they have six. Now that's actually like yeah, the, uh, math, baby. And the fact that it's three mana to just get that going, and it's an enchantment. There's there's a critical mass of enchantments, and of course there's going to be some enchantment removal because we need that in the set. But I just don't think there's going to be enough. So you're really going to have to pick what enchantments you remove, and I think that's going to be the tipping point of winners and losers when it comes to pre-release and constructed when you're moving into these enchantment decks. Like, you have to know what the actual threat is. Yeah. You're just not going to be able to deal with them. If all. you look at the removes, like, destroy target, artifact, or enchantment, usually we're like, eh, this is yeah, a sideboard. sideboard. But put those oh, in your main your deck. main boards. Absolutely. Yeah. Put that every single time. All right. Yeah, this is a kill on sight. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. I think that Stern Dismissal kind of fits in this next category, which is a card that isn't slash won't be getting the recognition it deserves. I think that a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Stern Dismissal. I think it's still one of the top commons. Yeah, um, but Corey, you got another one on here. Yeah, so I put Mystic Repeal on, and it's just a instant for just a green. 
and it's put target enchantment on the bottom of its owner's library. So you usually don't see this effect on a lot of cards, especially new cards. No, this is super rare. Enchantments, you, we destroy them. Yeah. Right? And that's just like the, the mode that's always been, or exile if you're in white. Yeah, but the and fact- so it's kind that, of like, I, I kind of spoiled it with Stern's Missile. Yeah. But I think that the conversation we had, something that is exactly correct. And Corey, what did you say that was just like the, oh yeah, this card is good? It's, it was just the fact that this gets rid of gods. Like, yep. if you have a god, like, with certain dismissal, it's just like, I don't care that you have the god, it's just back in your hand, and then you have to waste a turn playing again. This Which does that good. even more, because yeah. it just puts it on the bottom of their deck. Now they don't so they it. may never get it ever again through this whole game. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, there's going to be other enchantments, but, like, yeah. when you said it was a, a god killer, I was just like, oh, yeah, it is. Like, for all formats that play gods. Yeah. You guys go into pre-release. If you pull a couple of these, they are uncommon, so you don't see as many of them, but these are definitely, I think they're main boards. Yeah. You know I mean, people it, are going to drop one You will always. Yeah. yeah. If, There's so many enchantment creatures, and that's the thing, right, is that with gods, like my, my thought on gods when you were talking about that was just like, well, what if they become a creature? Oh, it doesn't matter because they're yeah. still enchantments. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I was like, oh, yeah. That's nice. the thing. With the, with the gods specifically, yeah, I, because they're all indestructible, it, you either have to put them in their hand, or exile them, or... With this weird effect, bottom. put them on the bottom. Yeah. Yep. I like it. Yule Tuck. <laughs> exactly. All right. Who thought they'd bring that back? Before we jump back in these beers, I just want a real quick synopsis. Your dream draft for this dream set. You draft. got three packs. You got a full <laughs> table. What is the top thing, whether it's card or archetype, that you want to try and draft? All right. So we're, we're literally dreaming. This is the best that could ever happen to me in my life. If you're wanna... dreaming of this... <laughs> She's going to fuck you up. I, oh, That's like what she does. You're not lying. Ashiok Nightmare Muse. I really, really like the card, guys. But what I want to try and do is draft an Esper Control. I think there's enough within those colors to kind of lock things down. Uh, it's not perfect, of course, because we're not in Constructed. But I think it would be really fun to try and hit this with a couple of the, the real good... Uh, counter magic type cards and then just really lock things out and play some dumbass cracking threats <laughs> or just, you know, something, some big fatties. Yeah. Uh, I think it could be fun. I like it. Yeah, definitely on the dream list because I don't think Esper is going to work yeah. super well in this because I just don't think yeah, they have the I color th fix in Yeah, game. I think that's how they designed it yeah. specifically that three colors and above are hurting Hard. real bad, which I, it's okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe we just go Demir control. How about that? Hell no, this is Dreamland, bro. That's <laughs> true. true. Yeah. But Splash I do want to pull way. an Ashiok. If, if we're talking about Dreams, I just <laughs> want an Ashiok. That's what I want. The alt art Ashiok, please. To the gods of magic. All right. This Corey? is a card that I don't want to pull, uh -oh. but in a Dream Draft, I'm okay pulling it. It's Galia of the Endless Dance. Dude, I love this card. Guys, this card the is art sick. is so fucking weird. It's, it's like awesome. It. Yeah. It's, oh. but it's, it's bad. They're totally safe. <laughs> it's like, when it's good, it's insane. But when it's, not it's <laughs> anything about that. Yeah, yeah, so it's red and a green for a two-two legendary creature satyr. So this could be your commander. I don't Dope. know. If, Uncommon. I don't know if that is what you want. With haste, other other satyrs you control get plus one, <laughs> plus one, and have haste. Hell yeah, anthem on my satyrs. Give them haste. Yep. Uh, satyr tribal. So many satyrs. Like bunny. I think the most interesting part about this is his last ability. Whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random. If you do, draw two cards. So it's it's pretty strong card draw in red and green. Obviously, discarding at random is really, really bad and will probably hurt you most of the time. But drawing two cards is really good, especially in a aggro strategy. So what I would want in a dream draft is just drafting satyrs 
and just making Seder tribal work. And especially if you draft this set, discarding things into your graveyard doesn't hurt as much as in other formats. But I just I don't know how good it's going to be. Um, so the one I've got on, on mine is Storm Herald. So two in red for Creature Human Shaman for three, two. It's got haste. And when it enters the battlefield, return any number of auras from your graveyard to the battlefield attached to creatures you control. This is on Corey's Holy list, moly. and it's kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, then it also has exile those auras at the beginning of your next end step. If those auras would leave the battlefield, exile them instead of putting them anywhere else. So massive, massive downside. But you play this card, you're looking to win. Problem is, is that red auras is not great. <laughs> no. So really, you're looking at Naya. And again, you got to go greedy, but at least you're in green. Exactly. So you can help a little bit with that. But yeah, it's still... Yeah, I think this it's really aggressively costed because you, you're going to need to do it and some other stuff in the same turn. But the fact that it's, I think it's just a really good build around because you can load your graveyard up with stuff. And because there's, yeah, it's costed that way because there's a setup cost as well. Like you can't yeah. just play that turn three and hope that you're going to have yeah, enough exactly. R's to win. Yeah, this and is the thing is, is that if you have that in hand and you can just play super aggressively and like, quote unquote, play dumb. Yeah. And just like, let your shit die. Into, yeah, exactly. exactly. You can play creatures, suit them up, swing, get them killed, and like, get you some could damage put, in, and like, then get those got, auras I don't know, back. A Seder token that can't attack. And you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to put, you know, plus three, plus three. You go attack, man. Oh, you <laughs> died? Oh, darn. But you removed a creature or whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever. Like you trade out. And, yeah. All yeah, right. I think there's well, a lot of value. I think, yeah, it has massive potential. I think it, it's it's like five color auras, I think would be super dumb and fun to play. <laughs> yeah, so that's like 100%. That's that the dream. Be, that cool. is that's super like dumb. <laughs> top tier dream, but realistically, yeah. I think Naya. Yeah, I, I think outside of draft, I think just Stormheld is just a really good constructed card. For sure. You can make a, a really good, that's probably like some weird modern deck you can do with yeah. Eldrazi Constriptions. You could try and shit. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be intense. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you could like discard your enchantments. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's just like with point. a Thrill of Possibility. Discard one, and then draw two. You play that on turn two. You discard your Eldrazi Conscription. It gets plus 10, plus 10. And then turn three, you play your Storm Herald. You automatically suit up your Eldrazi Conscription. Oh, that dumb fucking Colossal Hammer or whatever. Yeah. Well, no, because no. that, that's an equipment. This is only auras. Oh, you're so right. it limits I'm it joking. In, a, in a weird way. Yeah. But yeah, if you just swing with a, a 10, 13, or a 12, 13 Annihilator 2... You could do a bit of damage, yeah. yeah on your, turn three. Yeah, your opponent's not recovering from that. No, that's that's pretty brutal. All right, away from the uh, the dream train here. Uh, oh. Let's get back into the beers. Them beers. Duh, beers. So I've been sipping on the Founders All Day IPA Session Ale, and uh, it's very middle of the line. Honestly, I, I was kind of digging it because it's like a sessionable IPA. It wasn't too obtrusive for me. But it's kind of that novelty has worn out. Just yeah. So, it's opened up a lot more. The like the hop characteristics mm -hmm. are way more on the nose now than they were before, which is great. But the flavor is still. It's just kind of boring, unfortunately. I believe Corey said mellow, and that is the word mellow. we're going to use. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about satyrs, so I was thinking lustful party animals, and I get mellow. Yeah, I never thought that we would be like downtrodden because it's. IPA is it not, it's not, yeah, it's not intense. Yeah, exactly. Because fuck all, me up all with the IPAs super hop in your ale. face, and this one, it's just it's it's a pretty chill. Yeah, I it's think, good. Like yeah, I, oh, yeah, I do like. I will revise my earlier statement about not really liking it too much. I think it is good, and I think that that's like exactly the kind of beer that you want on a like 
summer or like early fall where it's like nice, yeah. drinkable, sessionable, but it's not going to fuck up your palate. Yeah. And if you're someone who's venturing into IPAs but isn't there yet, this one's oh, yeah, much easier. Yeah, I think it's kind of a weird thing to say, but this might be like the Bud Light of IPAs. That's exactly what like I was it's thinking. The it's the most approachable IPA. IPA I think I've ever had. Yeah. Like I think anybody like could have it. Rolling Rock or Paps. Yeah, it's just Beaver. one of those just like B-grade beers or just... Yeah. It has the flavors of, of beer, right? It's easy, but yep. Yeah it's, yeah, it's approachable. And yeah, all of those are sessionable and approachable for a reason because that's how they want them to be. And I think they made this one like that. So I had the Griswold's Holiday Ale from Red Rock. Shout out. This one, we, I don't know, I was kind of down on it before, but it's definitely grown on me a lot more. I guess I've got the holiday spirit, just talking about satyrs and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> just partying. But like we were saying, it's kind of like a pumpkin spice without the pumpkin. I think it's it's really more like apple pie spice, not pumpkin spice. Yeah, it's, they're very similar though. It's, like, it's, it's just that it's kind of that holiday spice: cinnamon, nutmeg, cori- uh, coriander, coriander, ginger, cloves. little allspice, cloves. Yeah, yeah. just your generic spices. And I don't mean generic in a bad way because it's a really good beer. And I think the the spice characteristics helps elevate it above what I think would be just an otherwise middling ale. I I really like it. What do you guys think? Uh, I I like this one. I think it's really good. It's kind of... Jesus, I know you read this before, but it's 8.5%. Yeah, it's large oh, and in wow. charge. I yeah. would have never guessed, actually. I the mean, spice well, really hides that. There. Yeah, like, you can't taste any of the alcohol, but it's good. It right, is Red just Rock, a little you. earthy. I don't think it's going to be my beer of the show, though. We're about to turn the corner onto what I believe might be the beer of the show. Spoilers. Yeah, Hopkins does a damn good job. I think this might be beer of the show. I like it. It's delicious. I don't really like to have a lot of coffee at one point in time, but I have a quart of coffee beer. <laughs> I'm just like super happy with it. It's delicious. It's smooth, not quite creamy, even though it is a coffee and cream stout. Yeah, I think just the smoothness of it is that cream part. Yeah. Because it, it's not really a cream ale. It almost has the creamy texture without the weight. Yeah. Of something being great. Yeah, it definitely is like, it doesn't sit with you like a lot of dark beers do. Yeah. yeah. And it honestly finishes pretty quickly. Like you would think that dark coffee kind of stuff would stick around on the back of your tongue, but it doesn't. It is pretty bitter, but it's fast. Yeah. And it's just that malty, just coffee bitter. Yeah. It's that not super sweet, like. which I like. Yeah. So with this, like, don't get me wrong. I'm more than happy to name this as beer of the show, right? It's my favorite beer style. It's a milk style. It's my one of my favorite just like general flavors when it comes to stouts in general, which is nice coffee bitterness, but that's still like sweet and chocolatey nature that you get out of them. And then it's just smooth so like it's got I mean like you're like I'm just checking off the list of like things I want out of a out exactly, of a stout. Yeah, it's it's got, it really does check all the boxes of what makes a really good beer. Yeah, I'm I'm putting it top number 1. Putting it, putting it at the top? Number one for Number 2020. One. Like so Drew tasked us with deciding on our favorite legendary creature to build a commander deck around. Um, and then Garion said no. So I chose one for him. So Garion, if you have to build a deck around Heliod, new son who dis, what you got? So Helioid, sun crown. Helioid. Helioid. Heliod. Sun crown, two and a white for a 5-5 five, five indestructible legendary enchantment creature god. As long as your devotion to white is less than five, he's not a creature. Whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature enchantment you control. That's insane. It's crazy already. So he's not even done. 
No. And then one <laughs> in a white. Why did they give him a long one to read? I mean, five. <laughs> one in white, another creature gains lifelink until end of turn. So clearly this is mono white, life gain, plus one, plus one counters. Uh, I assume there's going to be many flyers in the deck. I'm just going to just fly over, fuck people up, take their life. It's going to be this gross little drain thing that's very vampiric and it's not because we're gods in mono white. Uh, I wasn't super excited on all the legendary creatures. There's good legendary creatures. I just wasn't like, oh man, I'm building this deck. But honestly, I mean, if you were going to build one, I honestly think this one's the closest to being broken as you can get. I mean, it infinite combos with walking ballista, the thing's gross. And just putting him down on the ground there as I stand before three fellow mates is all the satisfaction I need. The size of dismay. I'm a little upset you didn't read my like attachments to these, you know. Life gain, Life gain plus- and plus one, plus one counters. Baby. <laughs> I felt like that was something that you would say. Oh, I would yeah. say it. And then, yeah. and then the next one, I was like, definitely. I was like, infinite combo with walking ballista, bitches. Wait, that's more of Sean, though. Yeah, that is Sean. Yeah. Sorry, that's my bad. I, I don't mean to attribute yeah, so, so all the wills is the same. So Heliod is incredibly powerful. I don't think it's anything new or spicy that Mono White hasn't done already. Just look yeah. at Arch- Archangel of Thune. But mm-hmm. that does not mean it's not incredibly powerful. And like you're saying, Gary, and just the combo potential alone, you can do this, this card on turn going- three and then just... The very next turn, probably win the game. Yeah, this card, uh, when Corey and I like first had our conversation about it, it was kind of like, oh, this card is going to get other cards banned. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's unless it super good, but it's kind of super good in the boring way, where it's just like, oh, I play Heliod, and then, yeah, next turn, probably going to win. So I was like, okay, cool. Good for you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know. The All the gods are super dope. I'm, I'm a huge fan of all the gods, but... I think Do you they, have a god tribal deck in the works. Yeah, he's, he's, he's realizing <laughs> my like original dream from like years ago. Yeah, because Drew's favorite set of all time was Theros, and so for as long as we've been playing Magic, we was like, "Yo, gods are dope. Let's make a deck." And then it's like, it's been so hard, to, hard. Yeah, get it to to work. Yeah, just devotion is a really hard mechanic to build around unless you focus it down. And five color gods doesn't have any focus. Yeah, it's <laughs> devoted. To not being devoted. Yeah, so it's it's a different beast. But I think Heliod is just... The previous Heliod was probably on the bad scale compared to the other original gods. Yeah, it was, he was fine. Yeah, yeah, I guess middle of the road. But this one, whew. Yeah, there's, they there's did not mess around. Very good. Well, for three mana. Speaking of not messing around, Corey, you just want to throw your commander into the graveyard. Yeah, so this is... I think this is one of the more interesting legendary creatures in the set. It's one of the titans. So it's Kroxa, Titan of Death's Hunger, for black and a red. A Two mana. Six six legendary creature, Elder Giant. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. So that's that's the downside for having a two drop six six. But what happens when he ETBs or attacks? But when he ETBs or attacks, each opponent discards a card. Then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way loses three life. That doesn't sound very like a lot, but turn two. Having to discard a card is so detrimental. Yeah, this card's massive in non-EDH formats and the potential it has in EDH. I'll let you go on. Yeah, so the last part is the escape mechanic, which is black, black, red, red, and exile five other cards from your graveyard. And this sounds like a pretty big downside, but Rakdos does not give a shit 
about discarding its entire hand for just you, there's just a lot of cards especially in commander that you actively want to discard for its uh madness cost so. exactly yeah, yeah but we madness. still need that in the graveyard in order for escape to work yeah yeah that's true but i i think these are this is a really really powerful effect really really early on and then just the fact that you can probably get to f- exiling five other cards and four mana so fast. You can yeah, in commander, it's re- you could probably re- reliably do it on turn four in Rakdos with the build around that you want to go for. But just the hand disruption and the punishment that this deck would do, I think, just makes it a very powerful card. Not only in EDH, but how I would build a deck is really just discard effects and just all that uh just uh, what's the, the name for it where i mean wheel effects but um just punishment effects just like you want to play the game you're taking damage <laughs> just so like zozu the punisher and just uh, a lot of stuff like that where gross. you're just taking damage no matter what you do and i think just having hand attack on top of that as a commander that you can't get rid of just cements it as just putting you in the dirt Okay, Drew. I like how I said gross, and I'm about to say some. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> you had some nasty stuff coming on. <laughs> yeah, which is really funny because the commander really is so unassuming. So, so we've got Dalakos, Crafter of Wonders. So he's one blue red. Aggressive. Another three mana commander. I mean, let's be real. We want to keep that mana cost as low exactly, as possible. Yeah, we want to get those really out, good. especially when he's a two four Merfolk Artificer. So we got some nice red Merfolk action here. Legendary creature, of course, because he is my commander, and I want to just abuse the crap out of his ability. So All the ramp. Tap, generate, colorless, colorless. So we've got two colorless, and spend mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. And what is, you know, one of the, the best things that you can have in commander? Equipment. Like Swiftfoot Boots or Lightning Greaves. I guess one of those is a bad example for this next <laughs> one, but equip creatures you control have flying and haste. So having an equip cost for free, basically, on your commander is insane, right? Especially if your commander is granting flying in haste to equipped creatures. So I kind of just want to abuse the shit out of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, and abuse untaps and kind of, quote-unquote, cheat mana by generating a shitload of mana from my commander and just have massive artifact board state that I can just, like, do whatever I want with, right? Um, the way I kind of think about this one is think kiki jiki but artifacts but probably also with kiki jiki 100 <laughs> like <laughs> he makes it yeah like i don't know do i need to say anything I'm else about, about kiki jiki where yeah it just does kiki jiki stuff <laughs> yeah exactly like it's weird in commander especially where you talk about like kiki jiki stuff and like everyone understands if they you know played against or around kiki jiki those that don't kiki jiki allows you to do a lot of random shenanigans uh that involve tapping and untapping things uh, Kiki Jiki makes a copy of a creature when he taps. If you have a creature that enters the battlefield that untaps a creature, then Kiki Jiki goes kind of infinite with that, and then you just win the game because of that. Um, I kind of want to do the same thing with artifacts and equipment, but also if you put in Memnarch, I'm sure he has some epithet to describe him. Gross. Uh, but he turns all other permanents into artifacts, and then he allows you to steal them. I don't really care about the last part. I just turn all of my things into artifacts, so that way if I'm abusing this untap and tap shenanigans... Then I just have mana to pay for that. So basically, like, think building a Memnarch deck, building a Kiki Jiki deck, one. 
God, that sounds gross. And then have just like <laughs> busted equipment. I assume Emery's in this deck. Oh, of course. Right. Emery is bay. <laughs> Emery is. Dope. She's not in it, or she's not not in any deck. <laughs> yeah, can you can you cast Emery? Why is she not in your deck? <laughs> All right, so, uh, I want to just run down top three cards you would put in one of your EDH decks, or just maybe you'd build around a deck because of the card. So for me personally, got Underworld Dreams. Uh, it's just a good card. It's back. It's, yeah. The fact that it's that uncommon uh, is great. I think that they were allowed to do that because having to pay black, black, black for a card is a lot. So whenever opponent draws a card, it deals one damage to that player. So in wheels decks and, you know, mass draw card decks, this card's phenomenal. Uh, it's also enchantment. I play a lot of enchantment, especially black, white, green. Actually, I should play everything but red. So You gotta play red, bro. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying. I'm getting there. Next one. Perforos, bronze-blooded, haste enabler, and for some reason I got gamble and sneak attack mixed up. I was like, these are the two best red cards. What's going on? <laughs> uh, but yeah, having sneak attack, like I want to build that Torbrand deck, and I think that putting Perforos in there would just be, I mean, both would just be exceptional. Yeah. Uh, last one I have is Hateful Eidolon. Uh, it's one mana, has lifelink, and whenever an enchanted creature dies, draw a card for each aura you control that was attached to it. There's literally only one deck that I, I would put this in, and it is my Daxos deck. Uh, Daxos always gets targeted, which makes sense. He's the commander. He's what everything works around. So to have that on there, one, it's an enchantment for one mana, which is great. That really like helps to fuel Daxos. Um, but he's always got this giant target on his back. So it's a way to help alleviate that a little bit because there are a lot of enchantments that I put on Daxos to protect him. And if he gets wiped, it's, it's a lot to get back. Yeah. And so having that just be like, okay, he died. He had like two or three enchantments. Get those cards. It's a, it's a, it's helpful. It's a little bit helpful. Obviously, it's not as much as just like, you know, hey, I've got my commander, but <laughs> you do what you can. Uh, Corey to alleviate that. And Garion, both have the same one on your list, and I was going to put it as my number one, and then <laughs> saw that you both had it on your list, and I was like, I want it. Yeah. So this is a banger. It's Dryad of the Elysian Grove. So this is like the Greek Elysian, but spelled with an I because it's different. Ooh. So it's two and a green for a two-four enchantment creature nymph. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Literally Stop. nothing else you say matters. <laughs> yep. So good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oracle of Modaya. Okay. Yeah. Uh, half of Azusa. Yeah. The uh, next part, Sortooth. I think is also very important, but it's lands you control are every basic land type in addition to their other types. Wait, so I get to play more lands and I get to color fix? Yeah. Fuck. On a three drop. Yeah, this is why this was all three of our number ones. It's not, uh, you know, the best card that's ever been printed, but it's one of those ones that you, if you have green in the deck, you're playing the card, pretty much. Yeah, so uh, this deck goes, or this card goes in the Land Matters decks. Mm -hmm. uh, just green, good stuff where you just want to ramp. And probably every five-color deck. I think so. Probably four-color decks. fixing and ramping are what those decks worry about yeah. the most, I think. This also triggers Cabal Coffers. Me and Drew were talking about it earlier. Like, this is one of those ones that if you can splash into something like that where you're just trying to fatty out a bunch of mana, like, that's what the card does. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think this card is just so good at yeah. what it does. <laughs> but I think that they did a good job on this because they made it a creature. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. because this is Exploration plus... Yeah, so it's Exploration plus pr Prismatic Omen. Into on, one card. On one so, card. <laughs> exploration... Obviously, good card, you know. It's, it's one mana, Prismatic Omen, solid. That's two mana, and together we get three mana. Yeah, but I think totally you worth. nailed it on the head with if this was just an enchantment, 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, be it'd be good. too hard to get rid of. Yeah. yeah. It's just, oh God. Yeah. So I don't think this breaks limited or anything, but it's just a really good commander card. Yeah, really good. And so the next one I have is Heliod's Intervention. And so we talked about the intervention cycle off camera and we had some Wait, mixed... Camera? Gary, <laughs> I told you to stop recording. <laughs> we had Shit. some mixed opinions, but I think this one is really good, especially in EDH. So it's X, white, white, choose one, destroy X target artifacts and or enchantments or target player gains twice X life. So it's an instant. And I think in EDH, you're only ever going to play the first one, destroy X target artifacts or enchantments. And for four mana, it's just a return to dust. And I think it only gets better from there. So I think this is this slots into a lot of... Every deck that plays... Return Every, to dust. Exactly, just, yeah, because it's, it's module. Because if you need to get rid of three things, then you can. But return to dust will always get rid of two or less. While this will... It scales. It's, yeah, it scales well with the game. And that's one of the things that's really hard with Commander is that if you draw into your enchantment removal or your artifact removal or whatever it is late in the game, there might be more than one thing you need to get rid of. And you're like, well, it kind of helps, but not really. Yeah, I <laughs> think know? that... I mean... Obviously, there's a, a bias when I'm in the play group because I do I do play <laughs> yeah. non-creature permanents more than creature permanents as far as like my decks are concerned. But having a card like this, I'm not really that big on it specifically, just because I would rather just destroy all. But yeah, I think especially in mono white decks, mm -hmm. that because a lot of um, enchantment destruction is either targeted or it's everything. And so this is semi one-sided because yeah. you you might have enough mana to get rid of every other enchantment on the board besides your own, or you might just have enough to not mono white. You don't. <laughs> you right. You right. Jokes on you. <laughs> but I think just at worst, it's just another uh, return to dust. But yeah. yeah, I think that's a good comparison that I hadn't looked at before. But yeah, it's not like the best card. I just think it's a really good option that. It's just one of those cards that people can look at and be like, oh, this is a good upgrade for this deck. All right, Corey, you got one more. Yeah, Make so the, count. the last one is Furious Rise. Two and a red for a, a red enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, if you control a creature with power four or greater, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card until you exile another card with Furious Rise. So this is another form of mono red card draw, which I think Impulsive is dope. draw, again. Yeah. The, that's the, the downside is that it exiles, but the good part, and it's a new thing that we haven't seen, is it exiles until you exile another card with this. Usually they're exiled either at the end of turn or at the end of your next turn, but this just stays exiled. So if you do exile just your bomb that you can't get to on the next turn, you can just have it stick around for a while. But the downside, obviously, is the power four or greater. So it leans towards just big swingers instead of Low to the ground. So um, the satyrs. Not satyrs. Swingers. No, not satyrs. <laughs> Forget satyrs. But so it's not low to the ground aggro burn decks right. that are going to use this. It's this is the, that name. Bigger decks. <laughs> yeah. So I think I would, I'm going to throw this into my boar god deck because yeah. he's a 6 6. So I'm always going to have access to a power or creature with power forward greater. So this, I think this is more limited, but it's still. Uh, Card draw. I mean, yeah, we'll take it where we can get it. I dig it. And it's card advantage. Yeah, uh, it's card an extra draw, card. Which is good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Dryad of the Elysian Grove was my number one. 
real good. Um, and then my second one was Helioid Sun Crowned. So we created an EDH deck around this. We don't have to really explain that. He's good. And I think he <laughs> is good. also good in the 99. Like, clearly you're never going to be upset to draw this card. Yeah, <laughs> I think I mean? we, we sort of touched on it, but this isn't a new strategy for white. It's just a really, really good way to do this. Yeah, I white. think, honestly, with Heliod, my favorite thing about him is in the 99. Like, obviously, we were, we were tasked with building a commander deck, but a mono-white commander deck has its limitations. But this slotted into a Selesnya deck or a Naya deck or, you know, whatever the fuck else you're doing. Like, I think that's when you're like, oh, yeah, I yeah. drew it. Here Honestly, we fucking go, baby. It feels very Selesnya. Yeah. yeah. Right. Selesnya or, counters or Zav, and, just like life gain. Yeah. True. Stuff. Yeah. All right. The last one you have is the generic, obviously it's good in Commander with limitations. This has, this, this, I think this card name spiked a lot of people's interests and then Dude, they it's were like, very I guess that's polarizing. True, yeah. Like, you, I was looking on Reddit about this card. People were just like, why the, I just want to call everything Lotus. What the, I'm just like, yeah. People. Yeah. So it's Nick's Lotus. It's four colorless for a legendary artifact. He enters the battlefield tapped. He, Ooh, it's a flower. Yeah, it's genderize this flower. It's a creature. It has both <laughs> genders, Gary. It's a flower. They <laughs> enter the battlefield tapped. Actually, I'll just read the card. Nick's Lotus enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, Tap it, choose a color, add an amount of mana of that color, equal to your devotion to that color. So again, this is one of those uh, risk versus reward cards. Obviously, it's not the best card. You have to build around it. But I think it's one of those... Um, it feels you know, like a win more card. Yeah, it's one, it's one of those talisman-esque kind of cards. The talismans are really good. But like, it helps you fix for what color you need. It helps you get that extra turn or two jump in mana and it scales. You know what I mean? You might untap with this and be able to gain two colored mana or you might gain 12. You know what I mean? Like it just depends on what the deck's doing, but the build around I think is cool. Um, I think it's, I didn't even really think of that being a Lotus card. Like it's definitely not powered up to be a, Especially Nick's Lotus. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Nyx is Nyx supposed is to be like the fucking man. And Lotus is another loaded word in that's Magic. That's true. Underwhelming for the name. I'm sorry. I, I will agree to that. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, I think personally cool card. this card is underwhelming only because it comes in tapped. That's true. You can't if start it, off with it. Yeah. If it didn't come in tapped, this card would be too good. It could be mana neutral turn the turn you play it. Yeah. yeah. That's true. And But like Gary and you said, it is insanely scalable. Yeah. Like sometimes this might do nothing, but sometimes it will double your mana. Yeah. But this which one can and it's colored, which is a big thing. Yeah. 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 This one, I feel it it very much is just a expensive artifact version yeah. of Nykthos. But I think that that's fine. Like you put it in the monocolored decks that need it, and when you need it, you need it and it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the ceiling on this card is insane. In the right deck, but I think the, the floor is also the floor is just it's really really like large because it comes in tapped and the the fact that it sometimes it will come in and literally do nothing yeah. it will just be a waste of a turn. Yeah, if you don't have any permanents, not to have pips. Yeah, That's true. So I think it's risky, but man, I did not think of, that is the worst fucking name for that card. Yeah, that is a I think loaded it's, it's card. a bait, <laughs> especially because it's Lotus. legendary, so you can only have one out. Yeah. It kind of sucks. Which, in Commander, which we're talking about, doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't really matter, but... Still, though, I, they shouldn't have named it that. Yeah, but obviously this is only good in monocolor decks. Yeah. All right. So, gone through 
all of that, do we have any speculation for how this set is going to impact EDH? Um, specifically, like, we talked about, you know, bangers from the past couple sets, right? I mean, Heliod, we can speculate for uh, Pioneer with Walking Ballista. Uh, modern, same, but I expect bands quickly on that. Um, is there anything else that you think is going to make a big splash, massive impact? Um, I think commander-wise, not really, because besides Perforos, the commanders we've seen are pretty... Meh. They're just strategies that we've already seen before, and like having an indestructible sneak attack in your command zone is really, really good. But other than that, it's just like... I can do some blink stuff. I can draw some cards with Erebos, and which which shout out to Erebos. Erebos is really good, but it's just like the same stuff. But I think the there's a lot of cards in this set that will just slot into a lot of 99s just to help upgrade it. And I think one of those is Nyx Bloom Ancient. Yep. Which is a four green, green, green for a five, five enchantment creature elemental with trample. If you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times as much of that mana instead. A That's permanent. A permanent, not a land. Yeah, so I think permanent. this got the internet all up in a tizzy because of just how insane it was. And people were asking judges for rules, clarifications on mana abilities and all this crazy stuff. Which I think just goes to show you how much of a splash this card is going to make. Again, though, it feels like a win more card. Yes, obviously, yeah. especially at seven mana yeah. to make three times as much mana. If you're not already winning, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. I think that you just play Zendikar Surgeon over this most of the time, just because whenever you play a creature, you also draw a card. Yeah, I and think that's I mean, that extra card advantage is why Zendikar Surgeon is worth playing. Exactly. Yeah, I think like there's cheaper mana. Doubles. This goes in all of those decks, all those mm -hmm. big mana decks. And if you can cheat this out in some way, which in EDH you're probably going to, then it, like, cards, mana doublers like Mirari's Wake or Foreign Clex that just put you so far ahead, I think this is just another one of those cards. Yeah, but like uh, Dryad of the Elysian Grove, it's an enchantment creature, right? And that was kind of like yeah. what we talked about in our, our, our group chat. It's just like, it has double the weaknesses, right? Exactly. Whereas... I think, I think uh, that's a good card building. Yeah, right. And the uh, Mirari's Wake... And Zenicar Resurgent are both just enchantments. They're a lot harder to remove. This is a creature. Path is very common. Uh, swords, also great. Chaos Warp, doesn't matter, I guess. Yeah, but I think on the other uh, reasoning, recurring creatures is also a lot easier. True. And so I think the fact that it has multiple uh, card types... Yeah. Makes it balanced. But at the same time, this card is stupid and yeah. should not be made. <laughs> yeah. If this comes around back to you, you know, like doubling your mana, usually you're able to dub, like just dump your hand. Yeah. Yep. Tripling your mana, you are dumping your entire hand. You're activating every ability that you yeah. have. Like you're, you should be winning the game. Yeah. If that you can that get should. A rotation yeah. with this. Is there anything that would strike you as like an immediate state? Like good removal, good ramp, anything like that? So that I two think two mana black destroy creatures pretty fucking cool. that that is pretty good. I think, I think in mono black decks, I think yeah, in mono black, yeah, yeah. that's fair. I think a lot. I think people should pay attention to the interventions because they have two abilities on each of them. They're pretty versatile and they scale well for uh, formats like EDH. Um, but I think Thassa's Oracle is another lab man. It goes into every lab man deck. I don't know if it does. Like your devotion count has to be pretty high, or you have to like 
Grant the self mill, obviously, on that. Well, no, you but, just if you draw your whole deck and then play Thassa's Oracle, you win. Oh, right. So if Labman gets exiled, or if Baby or Alternate Jace gets exiled, uh, I or guess counters something. Yeah. It's just a, a literally another lab hand win. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. It's I guess gross. I forgot that like drawing your whole deck yeah. also counts for it. Because I was yeah, thinking that, like thing, just it wins on or, its own. Yeah. if you have no deck. Yeah, because it because it's blue blue pips. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if there's a lot of staples. I think there's just a lot of good improvements for a lot of decks, especially enchantment decks. But staples, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean. Akeliod might be a staple in mono white. Perforos is obviously really, really good in red decks. Yeah, I think Perforos is the only one that like strikes me immediately as like this can go in any and every red deck. Yeah. Just because a different version of sneak attack, like you're you're keen to play that anyways. Yeah, I think Erebos is a staple in aristocrat decks just because Yeah. I mean you, you're okay with whenever a creature you control dies, you can pay two life and draw, draw. a card. Yeah. So you just want to keep doing you just keep getting gas. Yeah, if you've got a free sack outlet and a way to just generate shitloads of creatures, like yeah. you're, you're super happy with that. I don't know. Like this set, and I mean this in a good way, doesn't have anything that like smacks me as this is the card, right? Like, yeah, we've listed you know our top five cards, and we could say that there is a best card in the set, but I don't think that it's one of the sets like Eldraine was, where there's a lot of meh and a couple of like holy shit. Yeah. Like it's Which just all decent yeah wood, it's all cards. solid um real quick i'm going to add a section to our outline uh best artwork i can't just throw a curve three two I mean, one go ashiok's really good all of the oh, promo god cards are super yeah. dope and like the demigods like the, the constellation sick. versions yeah. are really sick i really like the legendary spider i think it's dope i don't know yeah. if the card's uh, really good hold basic lands oh the basic, basic land lands. constellations are incredible they're literally the best lands in my opinion right now even better than unstable. And I'm sure that my opinion will go back to unstable like it always does. But <laughs> at this moment. Unset lands are too good. Yeah. yeah at this but moment. I still really like the Ashiok. But my favorite just artwork is that Elspeth defeats Ooh, yeah. death. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the saga art is awesome. Like that I wish they would do full art tie. sagas. That'd be so sick. Yeah. There's too much text. Though. Yeah. Where would you put it? But I mean, they have like, a, like there's a couple there's other. There's too much text. Uh, um. The cards Full that have like cards. The, I mean, I'd be down for it. I'd yeah, like Damnation and oh, Wrath yeah. of God, which have no text. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, so no, there's, do there's too, yeah, too much yeah. rules. And wouldn't be a Theros podcast, I guess wouldn't be a Theros podcast with me without talking about Elspeth. I think that the card is dope. You know, it was uh, spoiled from someone. From the get-go. Uh, a long <laughs> time ago. Uh, I think that it kind of demonstrates the potential that escape could have. Like you literally just have a planeswalker that doesn't have a plus ability, which is something that is, I mean, we saw it in War of the Spark, but this is like a major staple mythic of the set. No plus ability. Like you got to basically like use your abilities correctly to get activations off of on them just so you can then, you know, use the escape. I think it's dope. Yeah. Elspeth has always been like a fan favorite character and, Drew, she's one of your favorite characters, but I think just them bringing her back and making her fucking badass, yeah. I think it's just so dope. Cannot disagree. Well, we talked about, you know, the goods a little bit, but what are the bads? What went wrong with the set? What did Watsy not live up to? Like, we talked about, you know, like the, the power level, and obviously power levels come down, but we all think that's a good thing. I think the major letdown in this set is the gods. The satyrs. Oh, oh, on top the of the satyrs. I think 
only bringing back the monocolored gods, Athreos, and having the one new, the new one to replace the Clothis or something. Yeah. I think that was a big letdown because all of us love the multicolored gods and one would come back. But imagine having all of that. That's, that's, that's literally it, all it of would the be too much, but I, I really, really wanted Xenagos and Krufix Zen- and Xenagos Phoenix went, and I wanted all of them back. Yeah, but Xenagos went the way of the the old uh, caveman. The, they could have worked something in. That's what you're supposed like, to say. They brought bring, that bring Karametra and Farika, like all of them back. And Athreos wasn't as good as I'd like. Oh no, okay, Athreos is but, so much worse yeah. than the old Athreos. Yeah, but three mana Athreos. Exactly, yeah. I mean, three mana gods is just stupid. Yeah. Fucking Heliod. But I just think that's the biggest letdown because like you were saying, just the one-off sets, they could try and tr- cram too much into it already. So I think having the gods would have been too much, but that's, that's what I wanted. Right. <laughs> But I think it's still awesome to see these old gods back. But that's that's the one thing I wanted from this set. All right. If you can pick one best card. Heliod. Corey? I think one that we haven't talked about yet is Shadow Spear. I really want this Dude, card. Dude, I, I don't know. I, I want it to be good. But it's like it's so just like on the knife's edge of being incredible and being mediocre. I think it's more on the incredible side, but it's a one drop equipment, legendary artifact. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, has trample and lifelink. Equip cost of two, which I think is really, really good, but it also has an ability for one generic mana, permanence your opponent's control, lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. That indestructible thing. So is obviously, where it's this at. is the literal god killer spear. Yeah. But I think the fact that it's a one-drop artifact, it can go in any deck, a two-drop or a two-mana equipment cost means you can suit it up immediately and get going. And it already gives plus one, plus one trample and lifelink. I think those are really powerful keywords that just get tempo moving in any deck. Everybody wants lifelink, especially in limited formats. And with trample, it's got it's, the scalability. Exactly. It's always going to get in. And then just once your opponents get hexproof or indestructible to try and do combat tricks and stuff like that, you just pay one mana, just one mana of any color, leave it open, and you can get rid of that. It's true. Yeah, there's a couple lands that do that for hexproof and shroud. Yeah. So that's interesting They're, to see it on an equipment. Yeah, I think this It's. I think this came out of nowhere. No one yeah, I don't think... This is like well, I think a people, loaded card. Yeah, it's people, absolutely meant for the gods. It, well, that's yeah, what I've seen this for, for sure. But like, uh, in like the story with Elspeth, uh, she gets Heliod's spear and like that's kind of like her weapon. Hell yeah. And so, uh, or his sword or something, whatever it is. But like, that's her weapon. And so now taking it out of the underworld, I guess it's like the, the story mode there. And... I think that's really cool that you have this holy weapon. Uh, Elspeth is like the hero of Heliod that gets betrayed by the gods. Yeah. You know, and just like all of a sudden like she comes out and, and it seems like she's coming with a fucking vengeance. Like she's got the weapon that is the god killer. Yeah. And so it's like, that's really cool. Yeah. So I think this is up there with Embercleave where Embercleave just slots into decks and just kills people out of nowhere. And this, it comes down fast and it equips early. And you just you can just start making money moves with this. In yeah, but if any you draw color. it on turn ten, you're not upset. Yeah, because you just equipped this to a big fatty. Now you, you have trample and lifelink. The pay, swing's crazy. Pay, even if, mana put on your yeah, pay, say, even if you get you back in the game, don't equip it. It still has like leverage on the table. Yeah, yeah, it's just threaten. It's true. It, I think it, it's a really really solid and very very aggressively costed card. Yeah, for sure. 
I don't know if it's necessarily my top, but uh, Satessin Champion, having another Enchantress yeah. is, is yeah, fantastic, especially one that so good. Like, gets bummed. Um, and with that Destiny Spinner, like I talked about, uh, giving creatures uh, like uncounterability is awesome. We've seen for it before. Two but and it sticks around. Right, but then putting it on for your, your enchantments, like giving your enchantments Shroud and Hexproof is like the only way you could protect it. Like you still always feared counterspells. And so now we kind of have that to buoy us up. But my number one from the set is the reprint, Idyllic Tutor, every single time. It's, it's hard not to agree. <laughs> like that card has been something that has been expensive and way too expensive for way too long. And now, you know, it's like six, seven bucks, something like that. For now. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah, snatch, snatch, up. snatch up. Yeah, I think yeah. this is one of the best reprints in a long yeah. time. Agreed. And they've actually had some pretty damn good reprints. I mean, when they reprinted Scape Shift, people were like, holy yep. shit. And then they reprinted Ley Lines and everyone's like, holy oh shit. Fuck those Ley Lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good. I'm glad I bought the Ley Lines when I did because they're... Yeah, smart decision. I should have bought the Voids. I should have just paid the... 15 bucks or whatever for him. Pioneer ruined us all. <laughs> Seriously, so we, many did, good we cars. didn't know how good everything was. <laughs> I know. I wish I'd had a Magic the Gathering Wizards of the Coast friend that could have tipped me off. A bunch oh, of insider training. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it seems, uh, seems, like, seems illegal. I was going to say like legal gray area, but it's not. It's actually <laughs> no, just illegal. 100% legal. <laughs> and speaking of that, we want to encourage you guys to be oh, safe, the be segue. responsible. <laughs> Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink underage. Don't drink underage. Don't be. Uh, don't drink and drive. Don't drink underage. Listen to Corey. <laughs> Corey's uh, a wise man. We do want you to have fun, and if you're drinking along with us, we want you to be responsible if you're doing so. Um, obviously, I've enjoyed a, a quart. That's, that's a double pint. <laughs> Ooh, this here is two pints. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we do like encourage you guys to have have fun, uh, even with uh, you know like the jokes that we tell here. But be be safe, be responsible. We don't want, especially this time of year, uh, with Icy roads and everything. Oh yeah, it's like getting the, sketchy out there. Yeah, the the cost that is is associated with those activities is significantly higher. The CMC is too high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The floor is very low. <laughs> yeah, uh, you guys, we have gotten so many suggestions for some delicious beers that we should be getting onto. We're trying real hard to order those from out of state. If yeah, you guys the, have favorites, still definitely send them. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at UUD Podcast or Untap Up Keep Drink. We're always trying to find those comments and find the gems. We've gotten direct messages on on Instagram and Twitter. Like got one today. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to grab these beers, but we also love talking to you guys. I think we're already starting to formulate a plan to potentially have at least part of the crew show up to MF Vegas. So we want to get these conversations going and maybe meet you guys in person here soon. If any of you have recommendations and are going to be in Vegas, holler. Like, oh God. Yeah, we'll we're just, definitely going to have a meetup. Yeah. Try and get a lot of beer talk we'll going. Yeah. beer swap. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. No. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, Bop. That, that was... So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being stoked on this set because I'm stoked on this set. If you guys are in Utah, we're going to the Game Grid Midvale for the pre-release. Come say hi. Come play some games. Is that what you're doing? Love to meet you guys. And as always, like we like to say on this podcast, have fun. Especially with the set. There's going to be sick. Fun.